Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, we're kind of on our our new regular scheduled day of Tuesdays. We started this podcast on recording on Mondays night. So we're kind of kind of pushing Tuesdays now and getting us out Wednesday. So thank you as always for tuning in, Jaybird McLean. What's going on? I'm cold. You've got seven <laughs> inches of snow. I've never seen negative temperatures. But it it could get to negative twenty here tonight, wind chill. And I let my I told Mike I let my dogs out a little while ago, and they both develop arthritis being outside for like three <laughs> minutes. They limped back into the thing, and it took three days for one of them to actually uh, poop, and the other one's still holding out. He's like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty cold. It's pretty cold here in uh, Central Virginia. Yeah. We we only got like two inches of snow and all the schools closed. Um, so take it what it's worth. My kids don't have school tomorrow either. Oh, really? Yeah. I, mean, I was no snow anywhere. <laughs> I was so pissed. Like my girls have since December 21st, my girls have been to school three full days in one half day. That's right. They had this the storm. I guess with the we had a half day for the rain and storm last week, and then the day after was off. Then Monday was Martin Luther King snow day yesterday, and now a snow day tomorrow. Someone, I'm going to show up on the news. You're going to see me or my family on the news. Something bad's going to happen here. We all need some time <laughs> apart. Through. They need some time apart from each other. <laughs> oh man! And I, when that news, I was distraught when I heard that this afternoon that they were canceling school tomorrow. Beside oh, my myself, kids, my kids aren't going back this week. Oh yeah, I bet. Oh, it's rough. On that front, what are you guys drinking? Uh, seventeen ninety two. Getting real creative here. Here you go. Seems like that's a a popular staple, popular drink. Yeah, it's just good. I get it. I uh, did get uh, I did get some wild turkey, um, uh, rare breed, barrel proof. Ooh. Which is the rare breeds already pretty hot. Yeah, I was. I was. Uh, I was thinking about trying that, but I, I need to warm up to that thing. <laughs> what, what's <laughs> the proof on that? Uh, it's. It's one. I think it's one twenty something. Which is like I got that may that may require a little water even for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the Larson yeah. tonight. Larson is good, man. We talked about it before. It's for the for the price. It's good. Really good, Mikey. Uh, are you still holding out to your to your trip? Or I, you know, I almost when I heard the news that they didn't have school tomorrow, I was <laughs> I I oh I almost reached for a drink. But uh, right now, I'm on the uh, Wonder Water Passion Fruit from Wegmans. Oh lord, <laughs> a little flavored water here. I mean, so you can I'm just say water. I'm hanging on. I'm trying to be a little cooler than just water, but uh, I think I've. <laughs> It's a disservice to myself there. Yeah, I'm trying to hang on to my trip. I cannot wait till I get a Bloody Mary in me uh, on the plane Saturday morning as we sail off to Cabo. And I love a good plain Bloody Mary because they almost always have Mr. and Mrs. T's, which I prefer. With so many places have Zing Zang, which is like drinking cocktail sauce and ketchup. It's just too thick. <laughs> Zing Zang is pretty good. I do. I'm a big fan of Zing Zang. It's just too thick. You're going to have Mr. and Mrs. T, especially if you get the Mr. and Mrs. T bold and spicy. 
He was like, this is all Bloody Mary's ever supposed to have been. This is what I like. It's still a liquid. I'm not drinking a half solid, half liquid. That is some, it can't get a little bit much. If you let the ice melt, it's a little better. We had a, gosh, I, this is going to sound terrible because I can't remember the name of this, uh, this Bloody Mary mix, but we had it um, a couple weeks ago. I guess it was for, yeah, it was for the holiday for New Year's Eve. And it was a, a lighter Bloody Mary mix. Not super spicy, but not like Mr. T's. Like the, the regular Mr. T's is like nothing. It is like drinking water, which is too light for me. But this had the right blend of horseradish in it. I mean, was it, it was like the Charleston mix. It wasn't, it wasn't the Charleston one, but the, yeah, those are good. But this was, it was one very similar to that. Um, but I'll, I'll have to, I'll figure out the name yeah. and report yeah. back. So can't wait holding out for that, but I am holding strong on this so good for you thank you uh i'd ask how everyone's (laughs) golf game is but no one's playing golf because the weather sucks so i did simulator golf this weekend oh there you go that's real and you know we all know how real that is i mean it's like (laughs) it's real perfectly real so real i I shot 61 at uh banff springs there you go in canada yeah i'll I'll post that to your handicap you're now plus seven (laughs) <laughs> I'm pretty sure we had auto, we had uh, gimmies inside of nine feet. So had a lot of shots to eight and eight and a half feet. <laughs> um, let's get into some guys that can really play golf in, in a beautiful part of the country. Let's, I don't like watching it. They have on short <laughs> sleeves. It looks fun. It is fun. <laughs> yeah. It's, I'm jealous. So, uh, you know. We had the uh, second leg of the Hawaii swing, the Sony Open. Uh, we had free golf. Always love free golf. We had a playoff. Grayson Murray is your winner. Uh, you know, I, I guess it's kind of weird, but back-to-back weeks of uh, players who have, you know, dealt with some some inner demons and mental health issues and uh, – uh, now sober, dealing with some alcohol issues, so it's just kind of a, a crazy two week spread here uh, with that. But Grayson, yeah, overcomes a lot. Kind of a little bit of a comeback story. It's been a long time since he's won. Was it 2017? He won his rookie year on tour, and you know he's a he's a little bit of a controversial figure. You know he's not afraid to speak his mind and has gotten into some. Twitter beefs and social media beefs and just I forget who it was. He almost got was it Kevin Na? They almost got into a fight on the driving range over a social media thing. And you know, he spoke his mind at the players' meeting last week last uh year with and with Rory. And so he's definitely a little bit of a controversial figure. I do got, you know, tip your cap for someone who who overcomes, you know, depression and anxiety and alcoholism and all that kind of stuff to to get it done. So What'd you guys make Grayson's uh, performance and win? We'll get to some of the other guys here in a second, but um, well, yeah, I was a little irritated with it. To be honest with you, I did not want him to win one bit because I had been on winning in one of my golf pools, and it was really <laughs> I was super frustrated when I saw Keegan miss his putt or whatever. I saw him hit a shot left of the pin on eighteen in the playoff, and been on it like four feet. I was like, yes, I was like, this is good. And then Grayson makes a whatever sixty footer or whatever it was. Yeah, I think like um, forty feet. Yeah, whatever. It, it was too long for him to make it. Um, <laughs> but 
I mean, he he's it was it it was weird. He, every shot looked like he missed it right. I know he likes it a cut, but it was like he was looked like he was struggling, like to control his ball coming down the stretch. And I I literally wasn't even thinking that he would even have a chance. Um, and you know, takes one good putt. You know, literally one good shot. And if it's a good putt, then you can usually you know, correct a lot of wrongs, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, his game's kind of weird to watch. I'm, and, you know, I know he had one of those lab putters in. He's just like really, you know, unconventional, I guess, so to speak. Um, so honestly, I was watching, I was really paying attention to Keegan, what he was doing. I was paying attention to, you know, Ben on, and then Russell Henley blew it again. I wasn't even paying attention to Grayson in all honesty. So he kind of surprised everybody. Well, you got to tip his cap not only the you know the forty footer he made in regulation, but also the the birdie. Uh, sorry, not the forty footer he made in the playoff, but the birdie he made in regulation to get into the playoff. Yeah, the wedge he hit. It was a great, yeah, great wedge in there. And yeah, I mean he he got it done. I mean it looks it looks uncomfortable. He looks uncomfortable, but you know in the, when it comes down to it, you know the ball doesn't care what your swing looks like and how comfortable you are. It just cares you know where you where you're sending it. So and he obviously yeah. sent it. In the right spot. Yeah, I've I've always rooted for Grayson, um, even though I know he's been controversial. He was a junior at a club I was an assistant professional at um, many, many years ago, probably 20 years ago at this point, which also feels very old to say. Um, (laughs) Oh, I guess it hadn't been 20 years, but let's say it was 15 years ago. Um, And, you know, he was a very good junior player. certainly had his had a reputation for being somewhat controversial outspoken being a fiery player but at the same time seeing his seeing what he's gone through and getting down into some of the deepest valleys i can only imagine you could ever find yourself in i mean the guy was meant to be a pj tour player from the time he was 15 it was always that's where he was going he obviously struggled a lot in college um, partied way too hard and even still made it to the PGA tour and won out there on the tour. And then ultimately, you know, had, had some own issues that he went through and to see someone persevere like that. And, you know, considering everything that they've, they've gone through, it's, it's a good story. It's good to see. It seems like he's humbled a little bit, especially in his interviews. I thought he gave some really good sound bites. Um, it, it feels like he recognizes what he almost lost, and it seems like he's kind of on his way back. I don't expect him to stop giving um, some controversial thoughts at times, but I do like that you know he was able to get back in the winner's circle. I think he did so in impressive fashion. Uh, it was it was cool to see. Yeah, I mean, I I've you know so I, I know I've told this story a couple of times maybe on the pod that you know Grayson actually caddied for me at Old Chatham. That's right in, in 2013. You know, when he was uh, taking a semester off of school, bouncing in between programs because uh, of some party issues and disagreements with the coaches and, you know, kicked off the team with the other school. I don't know what exactly it was, but. Was that between Wake Forest and ECU or was that between ECU and Arizona? I think it was between ECU and Arizona. It was October of 2013. Um, I do know that. So I'm not positive. I want to say he was telling us. When he was caddying, because he was talking a big game, and he had he had played in the U.S. Open that summer prior, and I want to say he said he was heading out to Arizona State, but um, I think that's what my recollection is, at least. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I've always kind of thought, you know, in, in recent years, I've always kind of, in all honesty, I've thought of him a little bit as he's just kind of a dick, you know. If, if you do watch him on on social media and. 
what he has to say sometimes can can definitely rub some people the wrong way. But I will, you know, tip my cap to someone changing themselves and maybe he is maturing and uh, bettering himself. But you're right. He probably he's going to speak his mind regardless. Um, you know, I'm sure some of those outbursts online or with other players, you know, alcohol probably had something to do with those or, yeah. you know, make those situations worse. So um, those those stories are, you know, you know, I don't want to sound insensitive, but you know, those the overcoming adversity stories are are great. But and then when you look into it deeper and you see that the the it's self inflicted, it's almost kind of like, well, you know. And there's a lot of guys like that. I mean, Chris, uh, Chris Kirk, he's got a similar situation. It's it, you. It's very commendable that they were to get get out of that. Um, but at the same time, it's like it's not the same as pulling for somebody who maybe had some other things thrown at them that were out of their control. And sure. these things were in their controls. So it's still a great story that they're able to get out of it. But at the same time, you know, it's hard to get like uh, too super excited about it. You know, I don't know. Like I said, I don't want to sound insensitive because we all have our we all have our flaws. But, um, you know, especially in his situation where he's got a kind of a tough uh, background outside of the alcohol, but just being like kind of like you said, just I mean, in all honesty, I know, you know, him, McLean, but that's the word on the street is just kind of a dick, you know for lack of a better word and maybe that's misunderstood i don't know but it's i don't know it's, it just makes it tough for people to really get behind the story of him being able to get past that when you people have all these other stories about like oh he's kind of a dick when i did this and this and it, it doesn't change the fact of what he's done and played great and won a pj tour event and got caught himself out of the hole but you know some of those stories don't go away for some of those people well and that's something that i will say knowing firsthand Growing up in Raleigh, he went to the same golf coach that Webb Simpson went to, and he was supposed to be the next Webb Simpson. That is the shadow he grew up in. He was supposed to be a tour player at a very young age. He had a lot of pressure on him. Um, I'm not saying he necessarily handled everything incredible, but on the backside of that, he also had a lot to go through. You can kind of put some of the puzzle pieces together when you look back on some of what's happened and understanding some of his background to understand why certain things happen, it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't seem outrageous to say that maybe some of the tweets were slightly fueled late at night. You know, yeah. it, it, I, I'm not saying that's true, but the fact of the matter is that the guy seems humbled. He's had to overcome a lot and he got himself back into the winter circle playing some great golf. Um, he's got a lot of speed. I mean, he hits the ball hard. He's strong. Um, he's lost a bunch of weight. He's in incredible physical shape at this point, but I think some of that, and it's something that happens uh, really often, especially in golf where confidence gets best way to say it misrepresented as arrogance. And we all know the best golfers in the world all have a, a sense of that about them. Um, it's how they portray it. How it comes off is a little bit different. Some guys do it better than others, but again, I'm, I'm, you know, I can't say that I'm not ever rooting for the guy, uh, regardless of some of the things that have happened and, you know, understand some people have a checkered past, but the coolest thing about anything to see is that it seems like he is he's obviously been humbled. It seems like he's a little bit of a different person these days. And the fact that someone can go through that growth and find their way back. And I think is always a good storyline. Yeah, no, it's, a, you know, outside of all of the extracurricular 
um, stuff. You know, anybody who wins a PJ Tour event, it's incredible. Um, well, no matter where you came, everyone's got a story. Everyone had had to overcome demons. Yeah, they're all those all those demons are different for different people. But like you said, just just being able to win on the PJ Tour, you've obviously proved that you've got some type of mental mental strength, and you can o- overcome you know certain you know different types of adversity. So for that alone, it's pretty incredible. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, on another note, I think Keegan Bradley is going to have a big year. He's he's playing good. I mean, he, he won Travelers last year. Doesn't make the Ryder Cup. Pissed off. Wins Zozo in the fall. You know, he's up to like, he's up to like 16th in the world rankings now. Is he really? I thought that's what I heard after after the, the, the T2nd. It got him up to 16th in the world rankings. I, I mean, that would... You're going to see him in contention at some majors this year. I'm not going to say he's going to win a major, but um, I'm kind of kind of impressed with my boy, my fellow New Englander Keegan. What I'm what I'm seeing, Keegan. Um, where is he on the list? He's yeah, he's He's sixteen. You're right. I mean, look, I'll I'll say this about the guy. It wouldn't surprise me if he does, only because the guy does have six wins. He has had a lot of success out there. So experience-wise, he can put himself into contention, and he understands how to handle it. He's been there in those moments. Um, he's always been a great ball striker. We'll see how the putter uh, works for him. It seems like he's putting better than he has in a long time since the anchor band has gone into effect. But, you know, he's he's just not my favorite player. No, I get that. He he. <laughs> He, he can an, annoy some people, you know. He doesn't get under the skin like a Grayson Murray might get under some people's skin. He might might do it in a different manner. I think some people just don't like watching his mannerisms, or um, yeah, I think people just get irritated watching him play golf. Watching him play golf, it's just awkward. Yeah. It's different. He's got a unique swing. He's got a unique setup. <laughs> it's a little frustrating. Like, is he going? Nope, not going. Not yet. Everything's not yet. just a little quirky. Oh, he's going. Yeah. <laughs> Although I feel like the last couple of times I've watched him play, it's it's not as bad as it was maybe when he wasn't when he was playing some poor golf like four or five years ago. Yeah, it seems a little quicker. Yeah, it seems a little bit better. Um, still, still a little quirky. You um, know, and he and he's, I mean, he, he's he always was, been a flusher of the golf ball. You know, yeah, he hits it, hits it great. Absolutely. I mean, and, and the the belly putter hurt him. When they took that away, yeah, and so he's just found a way to kind of figure something else out. Well, and this is what I guess is the resurgence. So I, I'm not looking at this year's stats because we're only two uh, episodes, <laughs> two uh, events in. So I went to last year's stats. He actually finished 20th strokes gained putting, really last year. So you do that with how well he normally hit drives the ball and, and hits his irons. You're uh, you're going to be, that's how you get number 16 in the world after a big dip. I mean, what's what's more, um, you know, strange? Uh, Patrick, I'm sorry, um, Keegan Bradley at 16th in the world or Chris Kirk at 20, 23rd in the world? Wow. I mean, and he was at 21st, but leading into this event. So he went down. I, mean, I would have never thought that. I mean, they, they kept talking about how this is. I mean, obviously, he won. Was it last year he won 
for the first time in a, a long time. But it's not like you've seen Chris Kirk top 10, top 10 after top 10. Like that kind of blows my mind a little bit. Well, they did just the official golf rankings just changed something as it relates to like multiple wins in a year. I wonder if that has anything to do with both Keegan really? and Kirk. Um, he was Chris Kirk was 52nd in the world before he won uh, last century. week. Century. Yeah. So it must, it, there must be something. Something uh, going on there. I mean, he jumped a bunch of bunch of players that were pretty consistent. You know, Sam Burns, Cam Young, Ricky Fowler, Sung JM, uh, Lud- Ludwig is you know at, was up there. Justin Thomas is up there. At you know, all those guys are right around thirtieth. Cam Smith, obviously, he's not he's not getting a whole lot of points these days. Um, he's just slowly going backwards. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm trying to see if I can find this. Um... change but yeah there is here you go so this the second introduces a new multi-win benefit that provides a 60 percent bonus to players who win for a second time within a 52 week period and you'll get a 70 percent bonus if you win a third or any times three or more after that in a 52 week period I- I think that's great. Uh, if, to win multiple times in a year year span is not easy to do. So, yeah. I mean, Grayson Murray was ranked one thirty two, and now is forty sixth. I mean, that's huge to get in the top fifty, big time, big time. Yeah, he's pretty much in everything now. Well, actually, just with the win, he's in, no matter where his world ranking is. With the win, he's in everything. Yeah, he'll play the Masters for the first time. He'll play the Open for the first time now. Man, there's a lot of big names that he's ahead of. That's that's crazy. Well, and uh, the, the Masters is such a big deal. I mean, that's that's got to be something. And you could tell you know, in his interview, he almost got choked up a little bit. You know, emotion rides on his side, high or low. Um, it's cool for me to see someone care that much. Mm-hmm. And as someone whose passion is some me personally – my passion at times has been confused for frustration, but it's more so because I care. And I feel like he definitely has some of that as well. Um, ultimately, you could tell that he cares about this and it means a lot to him and he understands, you know, what he's gone through to get here. But the Augusta thing, when they mentioned that, you know, you're you're in Augusta, you're in the US Open, you could see he was he was fighting it off a little bit. Um, That's pretty awesome. And, well, and it, it's the best part about it was to see how much it cared to him. So I got to respect that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you guys make of Ben on? He's an interesting character, you know, so he just comes off this suspension. For well, suspended for again. Well, so the, we don't know, right? So the, the PGA tour never puts his stuff out. He says it was some, over-the-counter cough medicine that he took when he was in Korea. We don't know. We're just taking the player at his word. That it has steroids in it. Yeah. It has growth hormone in it. Yeah. I mean, so, like, that's the thing is I I wish the tour, you know, these players want to bitch and moan that the PJ Tour doesn't protect them enough. We never find out about any of the fines or suspensions or, like, they keep all that private so the players don't have to deal with it. I, I would like to know I mean, I, I like the guy. He's he's actually pretty engaging and interesting to follow on Twitter. 
He puts out a lot of cool stuff that's just a little bit just different, not cookie cutter. And I seem to kind of like his game. He swings it. He swings it good. Yeah, and he he matches it too. And yeah, I mean he. I was I hadn't really really watched his golf swing, but coming down the stretch, I mean, he hit shot after shot after shot, hit the pin a couple or not a couple times. One time there on I guess it was fifteen or six fourteen or fifteen, um, just hit laser beams. I mean, he hit it. He hits it good. I mean, really good simple golf swing. Obviously, I'd say putting is maybe not his strong suit, um, but uh, yeah, th- those like you said, Mike. I think anytime there's a Ban. I understand they want to try to protect the player, but I don't know. It would be nice to know if, if you're going to come out and say that they are suspended, it would be nice to know what it was like as a fan. You know, I mean, you see other guys get suspended in other sports and they tell you kind of what they what was in their system. And I don't even think the PJ Tour came out and said he was suspended. I think just Ben On said, I've been suspended. Oh, so the PGA Tour didn't even say it. He just I don't said the PGA I was Tour. I, I, I'm I don't just, think they do. Yeah, I don't think. They yeah, said. I think it was Ben on on social media. You know, I think it was a four month suspension. So back when he got tested positive, he said, "I'm out for four months." So it never came from the tour. It was just directly. We're just taking Ben Ben on at his word because the tour won't say what it was or. Well, so yeah, not to say that he was out. To, he could be right. I'm not saying he's lying. You know, or they cheating said or that what when guys. But, They've said stuff when guys have been. What about uh, the first guy who got who got suspended? The tour came out and made a statement about that. Um, Baron, Doug Baron. Yeah, and then there was VJ was suspended. Right, the Durant with spray, and then spray. DJ, DJ was suspended. Maybe, maybe. Well, they was never it? came out and said anything about that. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't know. It's just it's just it. Whatever he was doing over the four months, because he's now had two top tens in the first two events of the year. So he must have been practicing because Yeah, and and whatever he got suspended for, obviously he didn't need because he's playing better now than he was with whatever was in his system. Yeah. And I mean, he does still in his system and they ways. haven't tested him yet. I mean, his club head speed's one twenty. Wow. He moves that's, it. That's he moves it for a guy his size. Yeah, he's he's moving it. So I don't know. I, I would like to see him. You know, does he ever win? Has he ever won? Hmm. I just had his profile up, and I didn't even question. I don't know. I didn't even look. No, he doesn't have a win. No career wins. Hmm. Huh. So, but yeah. Anyways, I I don't know. I like. I seem to like Ben on. Would love to know exactly what happened with the whole testing, and it could just be something that you know, a banned substance in the in the U.S. at the PJ Tours, common over in Korea. Yeah. I, I really I, don't know. Sounds like that's probably what happened. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, because he doesn't really, you know, no offense, but he's not giving off any indication that he is like pushing the limits when it comes to like supplements or anything like that. You know? No, I mean, and I don't, I'm not saying like you don't have to be a super fit person to to take something you know that's illegal and to get a benefit from it, but yeah, he just doesn't give me the impression that like that's what he's doing every day. But I, you know, who knows? It could be who wrong. Knows? 
Yeah. Um, what do you, uh, speaking of players that we've kind of touched on, what about Russell Henley cannot seem to get it done at, at the Sony? I mean, this is like the third or fourth time that he's been in the hunt towards the end. And he just kind of trips over himself coming in. Well, I think the big thing with Russell is he's been tapped a good putter, but he's not a good putter. No, like, statistically speaking, I guess maybe he he it the st- stats don't look look bad, but yeah, every time I see him putt, he looks really uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at again. I'll go back to last year. He was 120th in putting last yeah. season. Who's saying he's a good putter? I've heard, heard it a it. lot. There's a this he was 148th the year before that. I've heard it on TV sometimes. I, it's just like this. Like anecdotal thing, like, oh, yeah, Russell Henley is a good putter. He kind of looks like a guy that would be a good putter. I don't know why that makes any <laughs> sense, but like, you know, like he doesn't really wow you with a lot of his other game. I mean, he is a usually a, a pretty damn good, um, I'd say top third, you know, approach player. Look, let's see, look at his numbers. Yeah, he's 18th I mean, from an year. iron player, iron player's iron play standpoint, he's, he's really good. And he, he's the as it was, he finished, did he finish number one in driving accuracy last year? I think he's the top. I think he's number one in driving. Accuracy. I think he, I think he was. Yes, it was like seventy seven percent, which is sorry, seventy two and a half. Putting's only is seventieth through this one event, obviously, but his putting average is eighteenth. Putts per round, he was tenth. Um, so it's interesting to kind of see where those stats fall. Quite frankly. But is a is around the green, chipping. He's one of the best on tour. He's seventh. I mean, he's got four wins, so it's not like you can say the guy just can't win. You know. Yeah. Even if he only had one win, you can you can still say a guy really just doesn't have what it takes to win. You know. Sometimes yeah. you can just kind of luck into it, but the guy's got four wins. Yeah. In his career, so it's like. I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's a good question, Jay. I, I don't know what's holding him back at this particular he, he, event. Well, here's I don't something. Know. Obviously, he looks. It looks very nervy when he's coming down the stretch. I mean, yeah, he looks nervy all the time. What's that? He looks nervy all the time. I think he, he looks nervy putting on his shoes in the parking lot. <laughs> maybe, maybe so, but maybe uh, you know, maybe a little bit more than normal. I mean, you could just see in in terms of the way he was playing, like. The way he finished the 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 round there, a couple errant tee balls and a couple errant second shots, uh, missing a couple little putts, you know, the, you know all that. Just the things that he that he does really well it didn't seem to be as clean and as crisp, um, you know, on that back nine. Well, but I will say though, we're talking about him not getting it done, and that's fair. He still shot sixty three on Sunday. Yeah, I know. Like that's that's trying to get it done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a, a pretty good final round to to get yourself into contention there. Absolutely. Jumped up what nine spots on the leaderboard. So, you know, he he, he could have he probably should have had more money though. Do you guys see this Carl Yuan situation, buddy? Yeah, that was a that was a weird seemed to be a weird kind of setup. So when we first saw the ball go over there, I was like, 
you know, I was like, okay, you know, the ball's in the in the tent. He's going to get you know free relief for, for a you know a man made movable obstruction. Uh, but then they were like, we can't find the ball, so they're like, oh, it's lost ball. And then they came back and said that a lot of the spectators could visually identify the ball going into the stands, but they just couldn't find it. But then you look at the video, and it looks like he missed the stand. The video was like, the yeah, the video was like a, it was a home run. It went over the right field wall. Yeah, like, that's what it looked like to me. And I'm I, like, wait a second. I did see an article that said a couple of drunk guys said it was in the stands. Yeah, they had heard it <laughs> rattling around in there. Like, no, that was just your brain, dude. Like, yeah, that was the beer cans at your feet that was rattling around. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's exactly what I read. That there were a couple of drunk guys that said that it was in the stands. I watched the video numerous times and tried to follow it down into the actual stands. No. It looks like touch them all in every situation that I saw. Yeah, the the worst best case scenario, it would have bounced off like the roof of it. Like to get in there, it would have either had to penetrate the roof because it didn't definitely didn't come through like the opening where people were sitting. So yeah. And that, so, and then that's literally my first thought was like, did it go through like the top of the roof and like rip through, or did it go through a no. seam and, and go through? I'm like, no, I'm telling you right now, doesn't those, seem very likely. Those uh, the roofing there is too thick. The ball's not going through it; it's no. bouncing through it. And I'm telling you also that that ball will be found. It will be found. We just won't hear anything about it. Yeah, uh, you yeah. might. Well, um, yeah, I just I, I have a it. hard time giving someone. You know, I think. Some of the TIO relief is a little wild on on tour, anyways, because this is where they put these things right on top of play, and you know you see the whole hell you saw with Keegan in the playoff as well. He hit one way left, and you know, and so yeah. I, I don't know to to not have a ball. I understand there is a written rule where if you're virtually certain, I don't know how anyone was virtually certain though that ball went in there. Like I get the whole virtual certain thing, like, and you can't use the video evidence. Evidence, like the rules officials can't use that to go back and make a call. There, has that changed or they've no, changed they it can. multiple times? I feel like they can. At least there should be a guy in a video booth somewhere. If there isn't, I, I, I'm not positive on that, Jay. It wouldn't have taken someone very long to follow the ball in slow motion, you know, 1080p slow motion to see the ball didn't bounce. And it didn't yeah. enter the stands in one of the openings. It literally looked like it it just went right over it to the to the right to from the, right. the player looking towards the green. It's like hey, you hit it way right, dude. Up oh, here's a free drop. Get up and down. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was wild. I was like, this this is getting a little crazy now. Uh, that they're actually giving this guy relief for this. I'm like, fuck. Well, three West go yeah, play that no, golf course. Where, where it's a lost the, ball. The lies are like, I mean, you know, Ben got a good lie or a good drop on. Um, is it was it seventeen the par three? Yeah, he hit one kind of long and right, and I mean, it was bounding into the the grandstands, and he got to drop it over there in the short, the kind of trampled down Bermuda, and he had uh, pitching along the length of the green. Had the had no stands been there. That ball would have been 20, 30 feet further, you know, down the back of the hill, pitching into like seven, eight, nine, ten feet of green to work with. Would have been a much tougher shot. Um, you know, again, I, I get that's part of playing on tour. You get some of those breaks, but it's just like, man. I do like how <laughs> the RNA does it though. It was that the RNA does it the best way. 
Like they they give you drop zones for TIO relief, and they're not great. Like yeah. they're in like there's been pictures over the years at the at the Open Championship of the TIO relief spots, and they might have seven or eight around a green, you know, especially the 18th green there because they just do such a great job of making it like a stadium atmosphere. They and might do seven or eight around that area and you, you go to the closest one and none of them are like mode. They're all just like yeah. deep rough you're dropping because the RNA is like, dude, you just hit a ball 30 yards offline. We're, you're not getting awesome. a perfect line. I, I agree. Know? I think that should be, they should do that across the board. Across the board. But the problem is they've got so many grandstands set up at these PGA Tour events, you know, that, They'd have to, they'd be painting, you know, 50, 60, 70 circles on the back. Oh, yeah. All the stands that the grandstands that they have. And they're not going to do that. That's because no, that's no. work. No. And you'd have to almost like, you know, change the mowing pattern just for those areas. Yeah. As, as well, which doesn't, you know, you're, you're kind of getting a little nitpicky there. But it, that one yeah. was just another interesting TIO relief on, on tour. Fuck. Man, I would love to play with TIO relief. It'd be great. Sounds great. <laughs> I, I, I told the story of the first PJ Tour event I played in. I've told that on here at uh the Wyndham on number 10. I had a three wood eight iron in. I had like 170 in. And I was like, I was a little jacked up. Let me hit my eight iron. And I flew the green into the into the the grandstand in the back and it rattled around and popped back out, you know, whereas I I, I could hit it, but I had I got relief from the grandstand and i had like a little chip i mean it would have been 50 60 70 feet over the screen with impossible chip but i got to drop it and i was like easy i was like this is great i was like all, the, it in there. all these barricades set up that i could just bounce it back towards the pin it was awesome <laughs> oh man um do you guys catch let's go across the pond you guys catching the dubai invitational i think there's a few even if you didn't watch the action, there's a few few talking points coming out of that. So. I did not see it, but I did see, you know, I saw the highlights and I saw the notes. And I can't wait to hear what you guys think about it. Uh-oh. <laughs> Do we need to take a break? Are you getting up to get another drink? I'm going to get one more. All right. Quick bourbon break here on the Birds 9 Golf Podcast. We'll give you a quick, quick commercial from our sponsors. Please wait. <laughs> And wait and wait and wait. All right, Jay's back with his bourbon. We got a word from our sponsors in there. Well, what what is your take, Jay? You seem like you really want to talk no, no, about no, no, this. No, I, you guys go, go, go. Tell so me, tell me just quick, quick synopsis. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood wins. There's a, a limited field pro am no cut event over there. Not the strongest, but Tommy Fleetwood wins, which is good to see. I do. I'm a big Tommy Fleetwood fan, and I think he's going to have a big year and. Plays great clubs. <laughs> Plays great clubs. <laughs> they both play great clubs. Yeah. Rory, some blunders. You know, now I will say Tommy went birdie birdie 17 18 to win by one. There was a third individual there. I forget who it was uh, off the top of my head. But Rory on the back nine, I think it was a par three, has a one shot lead, hits to two feet. Three putts. So instead of taking a two-stroke lead, walks off one behind Tommy Fleetwood. And then on 18, uh, uh, Rory's got a one-shot lead again, hooks his tee ball in the water, makes bogey, Tommy makes birdie, two-shot swing, 
game set match. So, good sign or bad sign for Rory? I don't think it's I don't think it's a negative at all. I think it's just you know you, you have a, a a lapse which everyone has on the golf course. The biggest thing the the three putt from two feet was in, insurmountable. I feel like almost to a certain degree. Um, but the biggest thing is that it's the three putt from two feet, and it's the iron off the tee that he hit in the water on the front nine. Those are the two situations I look back on and say, those can't happen. Toe hooking a driver into the water on 18 when you've got nothing but water on the left side. I get it. That's not totally out of the realm of possibilities. The surprising part is it didn't hit someone in the gallery and stop it from going into the water. Yeah. Um, that that was more surprising to me when I watch it uh, on the replay. But the iron off the tee, hitting that in the water, was a big miscue. The three putt from two feet. A massive miscue. He hit that. He had six feet coming back. I mean, he he tried to throttle. He that jammed it. <laughs> he tried to throttle that two footer, and I get it. I mean, look, Tiger did that forever. No one ever said a thing because he never missed the comeback. Or hell, he never missed the first one for the most part. But on the back side of that, those are the two instances that I look back that were the most shocking. Hitting an iron in the water off the tee, which is as Jay can tell you, and I can certainly tell you, laying up in a bad position is the worst feeling in the world. You You're like I would should have just hit driver. <laughs> exactly right. It's exactly right. Laying up on a par four with an iron and hitting it in the water, awful scenario. Laying up on a par five and putting yourself in bad position. I mean, it makes you want to throw up. Um, so yeah. those were the two instances that I looked at were the most shocking. We've all toe hooked drivers. That that happens. That's the game of golf. But Rory being the incredible iron player that he is, that's the one that shocked me. Him hitting it in the water. I want to say it was on seven or eight. And then on the backside of that, obviously a guy missing a two footer to hit it six feet by and miss a six footer coming back. Yeah, I mean he's also got uh, final round sixty seven. You know he made a quad in the second round on a par three on the front nine. So I, I overall, I'm going to say good sign early on. Dust the cobwebs off first event of the season. You know, get some positive momentum going here. Uh, He's he's not, you know, ramping up for the, the Dubai Invitational. He's ramping up for bigger things in the future. So, well, and um, at the same time, I also noticed immediately he went and hugged Tommy. This didn't look like something that really broke him down yeah. to his core. I mean, the guy's got hundreds of millions of dollars. This was one of those situations where he's like, "I'm glad a good buddy won. This is on me. I'll take it." Exactly what you said, Mike. Dusting off the cobwebs, but. To to think that that's going to affect him long term, I certainly don't think so. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I like Rory, but it seems like the last couple of years, this is like it's become a common trend for him. Which I kind of hate it because I I do like watching him play because he's 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 talented. He he can hit a lot of crazy shots. He's long, but it seems like this happens like a lot, a lot, like. If he's winning by four or five, obviously he can he can get it done. But you know, I don't know. It just it's a little frustrating. I, I wouldn't say you know to both of your your points. I don't think this is like going to set him back because he's been doing this. I mean, it, he's he, he's like the the quintessential you know you know guy who can play around play four rounds of golf and look like the best player in the world and then just kind of squander it away on the back nine and finish top five. And he's also the guy who can be playing poorly and then 
you know, there's no pressure on Sunday and he shoots 63 and backdoor, a backdoor top five. You know, he does it all the time. It's just like whatever's going on in his head, he can't get back to that. You know, I'm just going to dominate, you know. Um, and I, you know, I've always kind of put him and we always talk about this. Who are these top tier, you know, dominant players? Um, and, you know, Rom and and Scotty Scheffler and Rory, I feel like are the the top three that stand out. But I don't know. Rory's at the back of those three, um, in my opinion, right now, uh, even with John Ron moving over. I just we see this this over and over and over again. And then uh, on the other note, we've got Tommy Fleetwood who can't win a PJ tour event, but has won how many times on the DP world tour? I mean, uh, is it double digits or close to it? Uh, let me look, look at that. I, I mean, and he's, he's like, I really like Tommy Fleetwood. I think he's, he's a very talented guy. I mean, not to okay. the sense where like a, you know, like these big guys that, that can hit at 350, but he's just, he's so good with his irons and he's obviously be, actually become a really good putter in the last four or five years with that crazy grip he's got, but he's become a very statistically speaking, he's become a very good putter. Um, you know, I yeah, think there's he, something um, to be something to be said for making those putts under the gun with the weird grip. I think that makes it a little tougher. But like you said, uh, statistically speaking, he's become a good putter. He is. I mean, it's kind of shocking. So he's won seven times on the DP World Tour, and none in the states. But you look at his his stats, strokes gained stats last year on tour, and this is um, shoot, sorry. Oh, God, what am I doing? So, last season on the PGA Tour, he played 21 events. One runner-up, nine top 10s, 13 top 25s. Did miss three cuts. But you look at his stats last year. Strokes gain around the green, 10th. Strokes gain uh, approach the green, 27th. Strokes gain off the tee, 33rd. Strokes gained putting, 14th. I mean, you, you put all those stats together and you're like, that guy won once or twice. Strokes gained total, 5th. Yeah. And didn't win. It's, uh, yeah, he, he's, he, he's got a mental block or something. And he's got he's had some couple bad breaks and, you know, has he lost in a couple playoffs and he's had a couple people make some long putts on him and... um. Yeah, it was a Nick Taylor last year. The yeah. Canadian Open makes that huge, massive eagle putt where, you know, Tommy had a birdie putt from 10 or 12 feet to come. Yeah. Uh, I think that's more promising for Tommy for Tommy Fleetwood than it is for Rory. Um, if I were Rory, I would kind of be like, okay, here we go again. Um, I'm not saying that's the right thing to think about. I mean, that's probably why I'm, I'm sitting here doing a podcast instead of playing because I'm probably thinking the wrong way. <laughs> But like, if you do that over and over again, like it's hard to, you know, it takes a talented brain and athlete to be able to kind of not let that phase you. But if you continue to be at the top of the leaderboard every week and you just don't win, it's like, Jesus, mother, you know, you just get irritated. Whereas Tommy Fleetwood, I mean, maybe, you know, for him, it's the same thing. It's like, I'm, I'm not doing, you know, you know, anything wrong. I'm doing great things and get myself in contention. And I've had, you know, a couple other people, you know, catch some really good breaks and hit some great shots at the right time. But I think it's more promising for him because he's maybe like, okay, I got it done. I need to get it done against Rory McIlroy, one of the best players in the world. Can I just take this across the pond and do it on the PGA tour? 
Um, if I can do it against him, we, he, everyone knows he's one of the top, you know, three or four players in the world. Um, so even though they're buddies and they probably play a lot of golf together, um, to beat to beat him when he's leading the tournament, whether it's a backdoor win or not, it's still a win. Yeah. So I feel like he's going to take more out of this than um, obviously than Rory um, playing well again. Like I, I think it's more of a setback for him. Sure. Yeah, I would. I don't think it's a huge setback for Rory, but I do think it's a much bigger. Like time was like okay, it's been a year and a half since he had one, and the last one was a Ned Bank champ, you know, which isn't the biggest event on DP World Tour. You know, that was November of 2022. Actually, it was last two wins with the Ned Bank. So. You know, it's. I think this is a much bigger thing that he can take moving forward. I'm assuming Tommy's going to play in Dubai again. This I didn't realize he lives in Dubai now. Really? He moved to Dubai like a year and a half ago, him and his family from England. I, I don't know oh. why. Family? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That sounds like a terrible place to just move to. Yeah, but they they that's their home base is Dubai now. So I'm assuming he's playing it. This week is the Dubai Desert Classic, which is a much bigger event than they just had. Bigger field cut, like, and it's like a home game for him. I didn't realize a home that. game. Yeah, gosh. So, yeah, we'll see what he what he can do this week, and then um, moving forward, I really want him to win here, and I really want him to win a major. I, I just, I don't know. He just seems like a good dude to go have a pint with, and I love watching him play. Is is I love his swing. It's just. It's cool. Did you did you call it a pint because he's from Europe, or do you say yeah. what you normally call it? No, because he's from Europe. That's what he calls it. <laughs> trying to get in with him, trying to speak his language, yeah. you know. <laughs> just in case he's listening. Just in case you know, he's now, listening. Now he's like, oh man, that Mike guy's a cool guy. He would actually yeah. he said pint yeah. instead of saying yeah, I'll hit him saying up, a, just him. a beer, draft beer, <laughs> twelve ouncer. That's right. Um, so. It is. I'll be interested to see again. So Rory came out and said that he was going to play more this winter and spring leading into the Masters. He says he felt like he hasn't had enough reps in the past, and he's now going to try to. He's going to make the Masters his ninth or tenth event. He hasn't even officially formalized his schedule, which I think, I think is good. We're going to see him a little bit more. I think it's a great idea because whatever he was doing before. Wasn't working, so let's do something different. Do something different, change it up. I'll I'll take Rory getting you know seven top fives in the next eight events, and whether he wins or not, I mean he's definitely going to be coming into the Masters where he is even admitted, and everyone else admits that the golf course is absolutely tailor made for him, um, according to most people. Um, but I would say he just never seems to get it done. I mean, although, you know, you look at that and what everybody else says, and he's even admitted that. He's like, everyone keeps telling me this course is made for me, and I feel it is too. I just don't play there. But so maybe if he almost almost like he reaches that point of kind of mental exhaustion, and then, you know, maybe he's not playing his best a couple of weeks prior, and he just gets there and is like, hey, no one's expecting me to win. That's the best. That's his best chance, in my opinion. If he shows up there and not playing his best but playing okay – no one's going to be talking about him, and that's when I think he's got his best opportunity to, to kind of get them, yeah, get that mental block out of the way. Kind of like a la Sergio when he won. Yeah, yeah, Sergio did the same thing. He's like, I'll never win at Augusta. I can't play that golf course. <laughs> so, like, reverse psychology, you know? A little bit. Okay, if, you, if that's the case, then why are you even going? You know, because he still deep down thinks that he can win. 
Um, how about let me let me read off these scores right now. If I said Jay, McLean, myself, could the three of us have played the Dubai Invitational in under 337 strokes? Because Ken Wayand, do you guys catch this story? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ken Wayand, for the listeners, uh, I think he might have been the only American in the field. He is a PJ professional, like myself. He is the director of golf at Michael Jordan's Grove 23, his club down in Jupiter. Somehow gets into a limited field event on the DP World Tour with no cut. In fires, 87, 82, 82, 86, plus 53. Second to last place was plus 14. 39 shot difference between 59th and 60th place. Oh, by the way, if you want to talk about Tommy Fleetwood, Tommy Fleetwood beat him by 72. Tommy could have given him a shot a hole for the entire tournament, and they would have been in a playoff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, uh, here's the only thing I can say for myself is I'd have finished 60th. I'd have finished dead last. I just think the the margin would have been slightly lower. Slightly uh, lower. But on the backside of that, I still want to know how he got in. Yeah, how did he get in? I, if I was a DP tour member, I'd be like, what the fuck is this guy doing in this field? He made a, a check for eight grand. Such as Eddie Pepperell was very vocal about it. Not like that, but he's going to slow everything down. I mean, there's there's a certain speed that you got to play and i don't care how fast you think you're playing if you're shooting in the mid 80s you're not playing fast <laughs> you're not playing tour tour speed that's a fact yeah. i mean it's just remarkable and again I, i'm all the support pj professionals but, but i gotta call i gotta call out bullshit event. when i see it like well, what it, are you it, doing it, in this field well and that that's the whole thing it's one thing to be in a pga professional event because you won your section championship and you earned your way there it's another to be a virtual no name and get into a limited field event. Um, I don't know what his playing history is in the South Florida PGA section, but like I don't none, think he earned. I don't think he earned his way there. I don't understand how he got in. Quite frankly, I I, I really do not understand how in the world as he's boys with Michael run. Jordan. That's how. But what? But how does that? How does that garner? I think it's real easy if if somehow he's he's Jordan's connected and he's got something in line with their tournament director and sponsorship deals or whatever some money under the table. I mean, they, and they all do it. I mean, whether the whether these tournament directors tell you they don't, I know that they've tried to set some standards around it, but there's always a way around it. If you're if you're willing to sponsor the tournament, sponsor a uh, pro am team. Oh, we've we've got a spot for you. You're not giving money to me, the tournament director, but you're putting money into the tournament. Thanks for your donation. You're in the field. Um, which like so, really I just pulled pulled up his playing profile from the PGA. This guy doesn't even play in events barely. His last event was 2020. Uh, he played in a match play, finished T nine, made two hundred dollars. Oh man, it's match play, so you can't tell what he shot. No, you played in a senior. He played in a senior junior event. 
didn't make the money. T39. Pro Do you scrap. think he won a bet? Like the, the most viable option I see here is that he won a bet with Jordan and Jordan had to get him into an event. <laughs> Could be. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. But still, even the limited field event, you can't like there can't. I would one thing if he's thinking about the back end of a 156 man field somewhere. You know, but Jordan, Jordan couldn't get him in the Honda, the Honda Classic or the Cognizant. They have a new new sponsor this year, like right there in the backyard, Palm Beach Gardens. Like, hey, you're going to be number 156 this week. Congrats. Yeah, like it's true. I don't know. That's weird. It is a weird thing. I don't I know. It's just it smells. Now, I also like. I mean, on one hand, I want to say like kudos for actually finishing the event and posting these scores and now being ridiculed around the world. Yeah. <laughs> But part of me also was like, dude, you're just drawing even like more attention to it. Like, yeah, if you just would have WD after the first round, like, oh, sorry, guys, I had a back issue. Like, I yeah. guess we wouldn't have gotten this check though either. Not like I'm, I don't think he paid for his airfare over there. I'm sure something that had to his travel was probably included. Yeah, but eight grand. I guess eight grand is eight grand. For eight grand. I'd stick around for eight grand. I'd shoot 111 for eight grand if you wanted. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> It's just, uh, oh god it is i just i just the, my favorite part was that he lost by 72 strokes and <laughs> that is great that 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 uh tommy fleetwood could have given him a shot a hole and they would have gone to a playoff <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh god wild wild stuff wild stuff um and it's beyond me it just it just yeah i, just I don't make sense i don't get it don't get it um, so a little, uh, it wasn't on the agenda that I sent you guys earlier, but a little live PGA PIF news. Uh, Jay Monahan's on a plane over to Saudi Arabia to meet in person with Yasir. Oh, after on that membership. Allegedly, they talked last week, and the one of the reports was so they talked on the phone last week and substantially pushed along negotiations, you know. Everyone seems to be bragging about it behind the scenes that they're getting closer and closer. But one of the reports I read said it was the first time they have a- had actually talked on the phone together since they were on TV together on CNBC. Really? I don't know if they're having this. Their underlings do all the negotiations. It must be. It, ha- it has to be. I can't imagine they had not talked at all about this. Um, yeah, that's not that's not a great sign for. But for uh, the like two said, principles for, for negotiation when you yeah. when you haven't talked. <laughs> When you haven't talked that they haven't last week was the first time they had talked on the phone since they had seen each other on June 6th. Um, but apparently Monahan is on his way over to Saudi Arabia to meet with him. Keith Pelly is resigning from the DP world tour. And he took, he's a, a Canadian gentleman and is going back to Canada. He's actually going to run what's called Maple Leaf sports, which is uh, in, in Toronto. They own the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Toronto Raptors, the CFL team they own, um, something else. It's just a big, big sports organization in Toronto that he's going to run. He's staying on until this, I guess, new deadline and this deal's done in, in April or whatever. But he says he feels comfortable leaving um, because the negotiations are going well. So I don't know. I just thought I'd mention it. There's really not much to say. We don't know any details. It's just. Maple Leaf Sports has nine teams. Say that again. Maple Leaf Sports has nine teams. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's a whole bunch. Wow. More than I expected. (laughs) 
So, um, I don't know. Make, yeah, I mean, make it, that. Look, it, ha- it has to happen. It looks inevitable at this point. With And the key factor I see is Rory's, and you can argue whether or not it's a reversal, but Rory's recent take, I'll say, on the subject is very different than what he said historically. So I'll leave it and just say that it seems that there is something brewing inevitably. And ultimately, this was just a matter of time before it took place. I'm glad it's taking place. I think overall, if we can reach some sort of an agreement, it's going to be better for everything. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, it's better I, than where we are right now. Yeah. Yeah, it would be, yeah, if they could get something going to where, like I said, we've talked about this, to work out some type of co-sanction, you know, I know they're not going to have any co-sanction events this year, but allowing the, some of the players with certain, maybe some certain strings attached to go both to both both ways, that would be, you know, they can work at all the logistics in terms of the penalties and so forth. But like you've said in the past, Mike, as a fan, if we can just get them back together more often, which is a, the end goal of what we all want. Uh, but in the immediate future, if you can do it like now, like this year, find a way for them to play in some some events and make it worthwhile, then I think that would be that would be good for everybody. But we'll see. We'll see. Do you guys want to know what Keith Wyand, or I'm sorry, is it Keith Wyand, Ken Wyand, Ken Wyand, Ken Wyand, um, Ken Wyand, whatever, doesn't matter. Um, do you want to know what his official world golf ranking is? <laughs> Higher than it should be. Facts. <laughs> but he's got one event played. His current OWGR is 4,129th, which I would agree is higher than it should Way be. Way too high. Yeah. Way too high. <laughs> there, there might be 150,000 people that should be ahead of him. That's a bit aggressive, but I, I'm with you. I'm with you. You know how many mini tour players there are that could go out there and do better than 53 over? Yeah. All, all of them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Almost all of them. There are there are some some guys that turn pro just to say they're pro, and they probably do the. Okay, oh, you know how many you like know how that. many club pros could go and do that. I'm pretty sure that's, I could have that, beaten that. That's a better that's a better point. It, uh, speaking of, isn't is Michael Block playing this week in the American He's Express? playing this week. This this is part of the exemption. So I think the the Southern California PGA, when you win their section championship, I think you actually get two. Because they have so many damn events in Southern Cal, I think he gets into Tory and the Amex or something like that. There's two two exemption he gets for winning his section championship. Okay, so this is from winning the section championship, not from the residual from how he played in the. No, I, I'm pretty sure because he's played in this Amex a few times from winning their section championship. Okay, okay, so he, I mean, he's he's earning his keep. That's cool. I mean, yeah, I, he's actually. I earning just thought it was spots. still. I thought it was still some of the you know. The residual from that, which would have kind of been annoying. I mean, that's where we're, that's almost a year. I'd say six six months in the past. He are obviously, you know, no, just does, wait. doesn't deserve to get in a tournament from that. But if he's earned his if he's earned his way, that's great. I mean, I'm I, I kind of man, I don't I don't dislike the I guy. Have no I thought, problem with someone he, earning their stats. Yeah. My dad played in a ton of PJ Tour events because he won section championships. I have no problem. Oh, yeah, no problem. Him that. having a spot in the field without question. Some interesting news on that though. Michael Block is currently plus 100,000 to win the event. Let me tell you the players that he's higher than. Jason Duffner, 
Scott Gachesky, Brant Snedeker, Kevin Kisner. Kevin Kisner's at plus 150. Michael Block's at plus 100,000. Um, ben Taylor, Ryan Brim, JB Holmes is at plus 250,000. JB's not playing any scrambles this week. <laughs> no, it's so funny that the funniest part is that's literally the closest golf course to me. It's <laughs> right down the street. That's uh, crazy that he's higher than like Ryan. Ryan Brim is like, I mean, he's been on tour for six, seven years. Didn't Ryan it. Brim win like a like a opposite field event last year too? Yeah, well, yeah. I remember. Yeah. So there's there's a couple of guys where you remember a certain shot. I played with him in a Hooters Tour qualifier way back in the day when he was first deciding to play professional golf. And I'll never forget the second hole at Country Club of South Carolina. He hit a drive that sounded different. And he, it was, I'm telling it. you, I'm telling you, it was 75 yards in front of my golf ball. Now I didn't smoke mine, but I just never, I just remember because Jay, I don't know if you remember that golf course at all, but Country Club of South Carolina, when you're back there on the second tee box, it is tree line. I mean, there is yeah. nothing but sound. Uh, the best way to say it, uh, it's very acoustic friendly. Yeah, he hit this ball. And I'm like, that sounded different. It went over a bunker that I didn't think was in play. I mean, he absolutely smoked it. He was a former assistant coach at Michigan State, played golf at Michigan State, and uh, I, I I like his golf game. I've always been a fan. He's a little bit quieter. He's probably not someone that I'd go drink bourbon with after the round, but that's probably why he's on tour and I'm not. <laughs> he's actually a pretty fun guy. I mean, I, we, we play a lot of practice rounds together. Actually, um, he was with – he was in our group when we first, when I first learned how to play umbrella. Um, it was uh, Ryan, uh, I think uh, a guy named Brandon Brown, um, you Brandon know, Pat Brown. designer would play in these groups and he's obviously playing on tour. And um, Brent Long was in that group. Um, Ryan Brim, obviously. And there was one other guy that, uh, that made his, I think David Skins would, he would play in those sometimes. Um but I mean, that's when we we would play just you know best ball games all the time. And then let's play umbrella. And I'm like, what is that? It was it, it was either hammer or umbrella. And for those of y'all who don't know hammer, you can go check with your local degenerate. They probably know what it is. It's <laughs> it's a fun game. Well, it's so a little annoying. And I won't go into all the details. But umbrella, we've talked about you know in, in, on this pod, and we've played it quite a bit. But that's a fun four man game. Every score kind of counts, and um, you know he. And it, I was playing with Brent Long and Ryan Brim and Brandon Brown. These guys all just absolutely just smash it. So we were all—I mean, it was just a big, a big smash fest. But <laughs> I, he's a good dude, man. I, I think uh, I, I like I like Ryan Brim, and I'm just—I just blows my mind that he would be ahead of this guy. I mean, this guy, like you said, Mike, he's a PGA Tour winner. Like, wh- why is Michael Block ahead of? I mean, Duffner, I can get. He hasn't played a whole lot of golf golf recently, but. I don't know how yeah, those things Snedek- work. Snedeker, I get he he has an end but, in years. Like, yeah, Brandon know, Brown like, back in the early 2010s, if he was on tour, he'd have been a superstar. That guy couldn't shoot over 68 if he tried. He won the Hooters Tour money list by like 75 grand one year when I was out there. And he's a and they call him his nickname is Mighty Mouse. He's like five yeah. seven. Yeah. Uh, and he hits it like, I mean, for a guy that that size to get that that amount of speed is is pretty incredible. But you know, these are the legends of the mini tours and the 
2000s and 2010s. But and he was um, he was a legend when I was out there playing. Brandon Brown was an absolute legend. He was. So I just pulled up Brandon Brown's website, which needs a little work. I'm looking at it too. I'm I just hit DD. Don't worry about my boy Mikey. <laughs> don't let him make fun of your website. I just hit career and it shows up 2007 tournament results. Uh, 2007 earnings, 70,000. That's pretty damn good in 2007 on the Hooters uh, tour. Pretty good. Um, that's all I got here. 2012, he was leading money winner at 115,000. Though I will, uh, I will say TPJ, Ted Potter Jr., 2009 at 202,000 on the Hooters tour. That's some stupid money. That's the full. He played the regular season and then the 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 winter season, the winter series in Florida, and you played on there. It was like the Ted Potter tour. Like they played all of his. It was in it was in Central Florida, Orlando, Cala. I mean, he's from Ocala. I mean, in every tournament we played, it was like slow, overseeded um, greens, and this guy would hit some of these putts so hard. I mean, they literally would hit the back of the cup and pop up like a, a good three to five inches every putt. Like it didn't matter how far away it was. I mean, he was just rocketing these things, and it would always go in. He did them dead center. Uh, I mean, he won every other event down there, which back then, the winner, it was a bit – you had to sign up early. If you didn't sign up, you didn't get a spot. There was a max of like 120 guys, yeah. and it was the best of the best would come down on the East Coast would come play in this tour. If you were – West Coast guy, you went to to Phoenix or Arizona. But if you were anyone on the whole East Coast, you all went down to Florida to play the Hooters, the Hooters Winter Series. And it was back then it was 12 to 15 grand in the winter, which was their regular season events were 25 to 30, which is I mean still pretty good. But yeah, it was super competitive. And this was all kind of before the PJ Tour got involved with like the Canadian Tour, South American Tour, or PJ Tour China. Like there was really nothing else. You had many tours. That was it. That was all you had yeah. playing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. TPJ would he owned the he owned the the Florida Tour. Yes, he did. He owned the NGA Tour for there for a while too. But that's what you see. A lot of those guys come back. I, I can remember back in the day, caddying for my dad in a Hooters Tour event down at um Baytree in Myrtle Beach, which is now no longer a golf course. There's apartment complexes on top of it. But I'll never forget Zach Johnson. That was when he was smoking the Hooters tour at the time. And Josh Broadway. And they're sitting there joking around. And Josh Broadway's hitting cross-handed drivers on top of the building that was on the back of the range at Baytree. And I just remember watching those guys and watching Zach and Zach, I mean, if you've ever watched Zach hit balls, if you just watch his swing, it it's not something where you're just totally enamored with. I mean, the results were obviously incredible and he was leading money with her, I think at the time, but watching Josh Broadway hit cross-handed drivers, 320 yards in the air that's, on top of a building. That's incredible. Uh, was that was the thing that I, I stuck with, but I, I like, I can still visualize seeing him on the range, but him and Zach Johnson are just dicking around. And now obviously Zach Johnson, pretty much a hall of fame career. Yeah. Um, he's had, so I've actually a, got a funny story about Josh Broadway and his girl, old girlfriend, and I'm not going to tell it on this pod. Well, this <laughs> is the this is I tell the, that off air, but this, this is, is a good it's a good it. story. This is the platform to do it, Jay. <laughs> I, Josh Broadway <laughs> is one of the best. He's I I love that guy. He's hilarious. I had a good time, and he's one of those. He has one of those qualities where 
if you see him, you know, some guys you 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 spend time with on the mini tours and then they they earn their way uh on the PJ tour and you don't really, you know, it, it, you're they're not going to go out of the way to say hey or if they see you, but Josh Broadway, you see that guy, he re, he will remember your name and he will he'll come up to you and talk to you like you know, you've been best buddies and you haven't, not a, the second has passed, which I think is a really cool, endearing quality. Like, it, you know, and that's why everybody likes him. You know, everybody wants to be around him because he makes you feel like you're important. And I, that, that was a pretty cool quality. And he's a damn hell of a golfer too. For somebody to be able to play like that with their hands on the that's golf club, fun. it's insane. It's insane. And it's just incredibly good too. Um, All right. We want to go make our picks. Uh, let's do it. I'll go last. Hang on. Let me get the power rankings up. Get the power <laughs> rankings up. All right. Jaybird won again last week. Yep. Don't, don't, don't mull over that too quickly. Let's just make sure we all just grasp that. You, you actually had a pretty damn solid squad. You had a lot of those guys. Yeah, I wanted to know what that would have been in an actual event. I don't know if you uh, put, put the team in. Yep. I actually, um, actually put uh another lineup in and i tweaked one or two of the uh, one or two of the of the lineups and it only it dropped down i was the other lineup that i put in the in the million or not the the biggest uh lineup they had the two hundred thousand dollar one i finished five thousandths um but if ha- that lineup would have put me um not as far up as as i was you hoping one guy it missed put- a cut which hurts one the one guy missed the cut. Matt Matt Kuchar missed the cut. Had he made the cut and played the weekend, it would have been a, a really good week because on average he probably would have gotten another 25, 30, 40 points, and that would have put me in the top one thousand. But yeah, nothing special. I mean, I got finished five thousand out of you know however many people were in the in that uh, that entered. I don't know how many it was. I couldn't see, but not a bad lineup. But um, let's see. I've got. My lineup here, y'all. I'll go ahead and rock yeah, through mine if you want. Um, I'm gonna kind of yeah, the the approach I've had the last couple of weeks uh, has been kind of you know middle of the pack guys. Um, just because there's so many, there's so much value there. I feel like for this type of event, these birdie fest events are just tough. Like, I mean, the best players are the best players, but they can easily just have a few mistakes and finish twentieth. Um. But anyway, so I've got a lot of the guys that have had some success here. First one, uh, this guy actually hasn't played here a bunch. He's played here twice. Grayson Sig at seven thousand bucks. He's he's put together some good rounds though. As as of late, uh, obviously eighth at the RSM, and then the Sony. Uh, I, he played some good golf. I mean, he just didn't go go nuts and go low. Um, but he's playing some good solid golf, and at that price, I think it's it's pretty good value. Um, Taylor Montgomery, I prob- I'm going to imagine that he's probably on both of y'all's lineups if he's not. Um, he's obviously playing some really good golf. He's had some success here last year. Uh, the one thing that's kind of uh, been a bit baffling for him is how good of a putter he is and how he's putted okay the last couple of weeks, um, but has been hitting the ball really well and has gained a lot of strokes on the field with his ball striking, which is not typically his strength. Eighth uh, and thirteenth in the or the last two events, um, you know, more uh, more specifically, the thirteenth finished last week in Sony. So, um, 
we'll see. But I think, uh, again, at that value, it's pretty good. Uh, bump up to another guy who plays well here, Adam Hadwin, $8,300. Uh, didn't play. It didn't have a great finish last week, but again, shot 67-72. And I, I feel like that's a tough enough golf course to where if you just have a couple bad bad holes and you can make a double, a couple doubles real quick, and it's not indicative of, uh, of what type of golf you're playing if you missed the cut there. It wasn't like he shot 78 or 79. Um, anyway, jump up from there. Uh, actually, I missed Akshay Batia. He's at 8200 bucks. Um, he's been playing some super solid golf. I don't think I need to go too far in depth on why I'm picking him at 8200 Um, Then I jump up to JT Post and another guy, 9100 bucks, sixth place finish uh, this past week, fifth place finish. Um at the Century, 44th at the RSM in the fall, and then uh, third at the Shriners. Uh, just He's playing good golf. I mean, really good, really solid golf, and actually has a has a decent track record here, has played well um, in the past too. So um, what did he do? Sorry, I've got that pulled up here. I was just curious what he what he's done in the past. So sixth place last year um, at, the, at the American Express, and then 25th the year prior. So... Um, then last but not least, um, it just fit. I actually picked my team from the bottom up, uh, which I normally don't do. But anyway, there was one guy left who is going to be your winner this year. Um, he's played well here a ton. I don't know why he hasn't won. It's like perfect for him. Uh, Tony Finau, 9300 bucks. Mm, big shocker. Big shocker. I like it. <laughs> All, All right. right. I'll go. I'm going to go since half my team was the same as Jay's. Then we're we all have the same players. So, <laughs> um, my three that are the same. Uh, I won't explain it because Jay already did. Adam Hadwin, Taylor Montgomery, JT Poston. Uh, for all the reasons Jay said, I was all over the place in the seven thousand range. I've probably had twelve different people selected in that seven thousand range, down to sixty four hundred, all over the place. I went with 7,100, Grayson Murray. Oh. He's, you know, like, it's, sorry, not to interrupt you, but like we said last week with Chris Kirk, it's not like he's going to go stay up late on Sunday and Monday yep. night and party. I mean, the guy's not doing that anymore. So he's, he, you know, why and, can't he win twice or play well twice? And he's had three top 15 finishes at this tournament. So he also plays well here. So, I'm going to go Grayson. Um, then I go a sneaky player, uh, DP World Tour player, good iron player, good putter, which is pretty much what this golf course you need. Um, had a his first top 10. Oh, I shouldn't say his first, but he's now a, a PJ Tour member. Matthew Pavon finished seventh last week. No previous experience here, but I just think he's going to have a nice solid round. His game, game fits this venue and... You know, his first voyage on a as a member of the PGA Tour went well, so he's going to ride a little confidence there. And then look at my, those last last couple of finishes, though, Mikey for for Pavon. Yeah, it's it's Seventh, pretty damn solid. Fifth, over fifteenth, forty seventh, ninth, first, sixth. He was playing his ass off over there. Seven events to, to end the season. That's good golf yeah. right there. Yeah. So that's my sleeper this week that no one knows or is talking about. And then I go up to my top guy that's different from Jay, uh, um, 10,100 Sung J M. 
A guy just mm. can fill it up, make a ton of birdies. This is going to be a birdie fest. I don't think he's ever finished out of the top 20 at this place. So, yeah, I like him to have a, a top five, if not a win, um, win this week. I, I looked at guys like Cantlay. I looked at guys like uh, Tom Kim. You know, a few guys on the bottom of the board, but uh, that's kind of kind of where I settled. So, McLean, where, who do you have? Akshay Batia. Guys been playing well, trending in the right direction. Mr. The one guy that you guys don't have, I'm a little bit surprised because the guy has played some amazing golf as of recent. Austin Eckrote. Yeah, I thought of it. I had him there for a second. Really like Austin Eckrote. Um, I also have Adam Hadwin for the reasons that have already been mentioned. I also have Grayson Murray for reasons that have already been mentioned. I also have JT Poston for reasons that have already been mentioned. And then I took top five player in the world, one of the best players in this golf tournament, Mr. Justin Thomas. Oh wow! The world. I'm telling you, he's okay. winning. He's winning. This, this is week. actually a, a pretty. This is the best field that Amex has had, maybe ever. Ever. Yeah, it's um, a great. It's a great, great field. Um, I I think JT hoists the trophy on Sunday. Um, JT like Poston this. or JT Thomas? There's only one JT. JT Poston <laughs> is known by JT Poston. Then you have JT. And until JT Poston cements himself as a top five player in the world, we will refer to him as JT Poston. Are we? Are we? That's, are that's we clear. Planting clear. Justin Thomas as a top five player in the world right now. Either, I mean, overall, I overall, overall, overall. <laughs> that's where I'm putting it. Lifetime, overall, over, oh, lifetime, over all of lifetime, the other players. Lifetime, what do you mean by overall? lifetime? Lifetime. He's a top five player in this field. Wow, I definitely disagree with you there, but that's that's fair. It's okay. It's I, okay. I think it's we okay. made that what do you, point. What do you, all, right, all I want to know. You can't think I of want, five guys that are I better want, than him. All I want is that when we do this next Tuesday, if he wins, say, McLean, I now consider him a top five player in the world. I, I, if he could win the next two events, then I wouldn't say that. But if he wins, I will definitely say that he's playing great <laughs> golf because he will be. All right. All right. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay, man. It's, it's okay, man. <laughs> it is it is a damn good field. I mean, I think there's 10 of the top 25 in the world, and that doesn't include JT. Um, you know, you got Scotty Scheffler, Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantley playing. Wyndham Clark, who's there's rumors going around that he's joining John Rahm's team at Live. Um so yeah, it's a, it's a Legion that's not 13. Legion 13. What a terrible name for a team. I get that there's some symbiotic relationship to it, but Legion 13, if it's Legion 13, it needs to be all Spaniards and they need to have like it just that doesn't work for me. I don't like it. I don't I don't like it. Yeah, what do you do for the guys on the do they have a guy on the team that's not Spanish? Legion Le, there's no one on the or team. They, we don't know, but it's Legion 13, but they do need to clear that up pretty quickly because Well, the, the one guy that we thought was Spanish that we talked about a couple of weeks ago is no longer on his team. He's not going to live. He's on DP World Tour. Huh. So now there are rumors of uh, Kieran Vincent, who was one of the three guys to get the live um, promotion through their Q school, if you will. They're saying he's going to take one of the spots. The other rumor is can't or not can't lay. Um, Wyndham Clark is going to take one of the spots, and then um, Caleb Surratt. Who's the stud at or the University of Tennessee? I think he just he's probably in his sophomore year there. Uh, stud amateur, former 
I think he might have been a former number one junior um, in the country. They're talking about he's going to live to join John Rahm's team. So, hmm. again, rumors. Don't know for sure. Well, John Rahm and Legion 13 are not mentioned anywhere on the Live Golf website at this point. There you go. Really got their shit together over there. <laughs> Does you it, have to figure it out quick. How many times has Greg Norman come out and said, oh, God, I get so many phone calls. There's so many people wanting to join us. And we just don't have the spots. You can't even fucking fill the spots you have on your teams right now. And you're like three weeks away from the first event. We, it's funny. We haven't really we haven't seen a whole lot from him in the last last year i mean i don't know if this was all the all the stuff between the pj tour and they're just like look dude if if we're gonna make this happen you need to tell greg norman he's to shut the hell up kind of shut the fuck up <laughs> i mean i'm wondering if that there was a conversation that's it could have been yeah yeah absolutely i wouldn't put it past him yeah but all right gents anything else no well, let's watch some more birdies this week at the American birdie, another birdie fest what do you think the the final score is going to be? Thirty. I'm gonna. 24. I was gonna say twenty eight to thirty. I was gonna say twenty four. Twenty four is gonna get you a, a sixth place check. <laughs> uh, they're playing in the dome out there. Yeah, must be nice. Yeah, it's negative yeah. twenty here in a couple of hours. I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm out. All right, gents. All right, that was a pleasure, and uh, we'll catch you Love next it. time. Cheers, boys. Later.